Welcome to the NSF Podcast, a place to explore the intersection of God's story with our lives. I'm Heather Dirksey, and I work here at NSF as the Women's Coordinator, and I also help with curriculum planning. I'm Jason. I'm the Senior Pastor here at NSF. I'm Chris Powell. I'm the Executive Pastor here at NSF. So in this first podcast, as we get ready to launch our new ministry year, we wanted to take a look back at our time in Matthew. Jason, can you explain to us why you chose Matthew to begin with? Yeah, you know, in a way, it it might even be hard to remember because it was last December when we launched into Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. We studied that during Advent. Um, But I think we remember pretty well why we did this. Uh, We were looking for a gospel and uh, drawn to Matthew because of some of the big ideas in the book. Matthew really does a great job of of summarizing his story of Jesus uh, at the very end. Uh, When the disciples come to Jesus and Jesus comes to them, uh, the very conclusion of the gospel, we call it the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus says this, he's, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Matthew himself gives us the justification by concluding his gospel this way. We want to look at what Jesus has commanded. We want to obey that, and we want to teach uh, and make disciples uh, in our own congregation and then uh, spilling outside of our our walls as well. So that's why we're in Matthew's gospel, uh, seeking to be better disciples ourselves of the one that we're claiming to follow. As you all studied and preached through Matthew, what stood out to you about Jesus, about his gospel? Yeah, I think Jesus's love of people physically. Um, you know, we know that he went around, he healed people, he cast out demons, and Matthew is supposed to be the you know, the the disciple maker. He's the teacher. We think that the disciple maker is going to be mostly a mental exercise for us, and a lot of it is. Um, but even in the lead up to the uh, the first major block of teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is going around and he's teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and he's healing every disease and every affliction, and people are coming to him. And I just think the marriage between Jesus' teaching and his love, practical love of people, and the level of healing their pain and diseases and restoring them back to community has stood out to me in a new way that I think makes the teaching more... Uh, practical and real and human. So piggybacking on what Chris said about the compassion of Jesus, what I love is that you see the ministry to the whole person. So sometimes he's correcting people's ideas. Sometimes he's healing their body. Sometimes he's restoring them so that they can re-enter community. All, all that is is fair game for the Lord. He's Lord over every part of who we are, um, whether it's our work, our body, our relationship to money, our relationship to one another. So you see Jesus ministering in in all those ways to whole people. He cares about every part of who we are. And I would say after sitting in the sermons and having the opportunity to teach and learn uh, with the women as we studied the Sermon on the Mount, 
just the radical nature of God's kingdom that Jesus is teaching us, that it's so different than what we can imagine or expect. Um, and the idea that we're, we're giving up everything and yet we're getting everything uh, has really, and even in Bible school, because we did the parables in Bible school, and, and I keep thinking about the parables of the um, pearl of great value and the treasure hidden in the ground, and that these people were so ready to give up everything to get this treasure or this great pearl because they understood the value that they were getting. Um, and so we can say we're giving up everything to follow Jesus, and yet we're getting so much that we're not really giving up anything in some ways. Um, and that's really been something I've been thinking about. I think the emphasis on the Old Testament, I've always known, you know, Matthew uses the Old Testament a whole lot. There's a lot of emphasis on fulfillment. But it's just when you've, when you've gone through the gospel uh, week in, week out, you just see over and over again this dependence on the Old Testament and also Jesus' authority over the Old Testament and that what he's offering people is not a rejection of God's word that went before, but the fulfillment of what went before. And he's offering himself as the ultimate interpreter of this scripture. Back in Jesus' day and in our day to day, people have uh, all kinds of clever ways of trying to come up with uh, their own interpretation of God's word and for us today and for the Pharisees in Jesus' own day, he's just blowing the doors off of their personal private interpretations and saying, no, I'm, I'm the authority here. Even in passages where there's not necessarily a, an Old Testament reference that, to be found, it's not necessary to bring the Old Testament in, Matthew will even do this. He'll kind of smuggle the Old Testament through the back door to show us this. I can give you one example of where Matthew does this when you wouldn't even expect it or think that it's necessary. In Matthew 15, there's a Canaanite woman whose daughter is healed, and it's not necessary to call her a Canaanite. Mark's gospel describes her as a Syrophoenician woman, a woman from the region of Syria and Phoenicia. But Matthew uses Old Testament language, says that she's a Canaanite. And this, this is totally different than what you might expect. Uh, just, just reading through it, there's no reason to do this other than to bring this great big Old Testament story into this one moment where Jesus is bringing his kingdom. And Matthew does this again and again. He's showing you that Jesus is part of the fulfillment of this Old Testament story. And uh, he does this in a couple of different ways. Um, one of our uh, very savvy uh, parishioners uh, mentioned to me after uh, the sermon on Matthew 15 that it's a lot like the women in Matthew 1 in the genealogy who showed faith in Israel's God and uh, and followed him, were faithful. And yeah, it's a great connection point that we didn't have time to make in that sermon, that these people are uh, found in the Old Testament. There's faithful Gentiles, even in the Old Testament, who believe in Israel's God, cling to him like Rahab. Um, and so Matthew uh, is, is drawing all kinds of points of connection here uh, to emphasize Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So how does that help us live our lives if we want to live our lives um, as Jesus followers? What does that mean for us when we think along those lines? There's so much to that. But the short version is that Jesus's commandments reach out into every part of who we are. He cares about every sphere. There's no little area where he doesn't give us commands and where his life and his approach uh, don't start to shape us. 
So whether that's his teachings about money, his teachings about prayer, his teachings about how we uh, faithfully confront one another, Jesus cares about all these things. And so there's no part of our life where we're not going to be impacted by his teaching. I love that. And my question would be to you too. Um, so from the beginning of God creating people, he called us to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So you're saying this is the story of the Bible, right? Um, so how does Jesus help us be able to do that? Because they all failed. Israel failed in doing that. And then we get to Matthew and Chris, you said, you know, you love the way that Jesus cared for the people physically and he taught. Um, and when I hear be like Jesus, I kind of panic a little bit because I start thinking, oh, I've got to do this. Well, I mean, I think it's it's encouraging that his disciples are becoming like Jesus. You know, I think sometimes we think, you know, it'd be easier if I was with him and I could see the way he interacts with somebody. We can we can pour over a text and try to learn how he interacts with someone and model our lives after that. They had the actual living Jesus and they saw these conversations, they saw his facial expressions, his body language. And yet we see them following him so imperfectly. <laughs> and we haven't really gotten to the full climax of how much that's going to happen yet. Uh, but in any of, the, any of the Gospels and in any of the Bible stories um, where God is using people, they're, they're following him so imperfectly. And that's, that's a little encouraging. It doesn't let us off the hook. But I think the history of the Bible is the history of God choosing one person or one family or one tribe and using that one whatever to bless a larger context. So uh, choosing one family to save in the flood uh, or then choosing Moses to uh, be a savior of types for the whole nation of Israel. And uh, so it's kind of like that Genesis 12 where God chooses Abraham to uh, be a blessing and to the world. Um, and so we have all these contexts where there's one chosen person and their design is to bless many. And they all do so imperfectly. Uh, but you asked, how does that uh, prepare us to to see the ministry of Jesus? Or I can't remember exactly how you said it, but in in Matthew, one of the things he does is he lets us see that Jesus is the perfect chosen person who does bless the world. Uh perfectly. So there there's you know there's places where Matthew's calling our attention to the fact that Jesus is the new Israel like out of Egypt I've called my son is from Hosea about Israel and it's about it's in Matthew 2 about Jesus um, that he is the true Israel that he has uh, fulfilled this mission of of being the chosen one who blesses many. And in his footsteps in him being a disciple of him should mean the same thing for us, uh, that our goal is, as it was for Adam, as it was for Abraham, as it was for Moses, that we are chosen in him, and we should sense that our mission is to be a blessing to others in following in his footsteps. Thanks for sharing some of those reflections. It's so good to hear and be reminded that Jesus cares about every sphere of our lives and to be able to look at Matthew and, and read through and continue to be thinking about his, how his teaching is impacting even my everyday.
Thank you all for listening to this episode of the NSF podcast. Thank you.